If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies, of course, and on today's episode... I will do my best to make some sense of what it is we are all witnessing if we're all even still witnessing in this baseball team. It has been one of the uglier stretches of an ugly season. I did not expect them, of course, to compete against the Los Angeles Dodgers. But an extraordinarily lopsided loss, followed by a kickaway loss, is just, I know it's killing you. I know it is. Um, I sent on a message on Twitter yesterday that I think I want to have as the premise of this article. And, and to phrase it in a question that I'm then going to give my own answer on. And I'd love to get some feedback here for oh, i'm sorry from our facebook live audience and anyone who wants to answer it for a future episode you can email me drew at bsndenver.com hit us up at bsn rockies at drew creaseman at patrick d lyons uh but remember the best way to do it is to leave a comment on the site hopefully everyone subscribed to bsn denver and then you can just leave a comment right there on the site and i'll read it but i want to know what is your purpose and i and i don't mean this in a sarcastic and negative way because i actually think there are are quite a few of them but i think it's worth everyone asking themselves this question what is your purpose in watching a colorado rockies baseball game why would you do it at this point and what i suggested in my tweet which i think ruffled some feathers but i think most people even the people who took aim at some other things, understood was you really don't watch the games expecting to or or really hoping to win. And, okay, hold up a minute. Everybody slam on the brakes. I understand what I just said was flatly absurd. 
and also that the Colorado Rockies themselves cannot show up to the ballpark that way. They have to show up every day not only hoping to win, but expecting to win, trying with all of their might to win the baseball game. Some of the people on the management side, including Bud Black, need to have winning the baseball game second, third, and fourth on their priority list at this point because doing things like getting young players more playing time is important. But the flip side of this is that not to put too fine a point on it, and in spite of the fact that he actually pitched remarkably well, you cannot reach conclusions about your baseball team moving forward because they did not beat the best team in the National League on a day when you started Chichi Gonzalez, who in his previous outing failed to record a third out in the first inning. Okay? Now, it's a minor miracle and also a reminder that baseball laughs in all of your faces. <laughs> and mine, on all of our collective faces, that Chichi Gonzalez did go out there and take a shutout into the seventh inning against one of the scariest lineups in baseball. Uh, of course, it's not a surprise that the very second the game was handed to the bullpen, it was blown. And uh, I've, t I've used the phrase whack-a-mole season not that the bullpen has been good for a little while here but they're you know obviously Gigi Gonzalez a perfect example last time out the starting pitching hadn't been taking shutouts into the seventh inning all that often either so you finally get one of those and it's erased immediately and that's just how it's gone but the fact of the matter is this the Colorado Rockies are down to their 12th and 13th guy in the starting pitching depth charts when they came into the season a lot of injuries many season ending injuries, some sub-performance before that, to be sure, a bullpen that's been heavily taxed, injuries to other parts of the lineup. Now, Ryan Tapia is getting back in there, and so they're starting to get a couple of things back. But still, this is a limping team, physically, mentally, in every way imaginable. And so while it's absolutely painful to watch, I don't think that it's especially concerning for the future. There are plenty of things that are concerning for the future. Most of those things showed up before this current stretch of bad baseball. And I think what I would suggest to you is this, that your personal analysis and and do what you want again like i said this is a suggestion this is this is what i believe this is how i am going to analyze the team since they've just totally fallen apart fallen out of it then the string of injuries and, and everything else that has occurred here they just haven't played good baseball on top of all of it but none of these games and the way they've unfolded I'm basically only analyzing individual by individual at this point. And you really can't analyze Bud Black at this point either. There's nothing like, unless I guess he played the veterans way too much, which at this point I think he's striking a nice balance. I've seen a couple people accuse him of like lying because he came out and said he was going to play the young guys more and veterans are still playing some. It's like he never said he was going to only play the young guys, and you're never going to see Daniel Murphy and Yonder Alonso again. These guys are professional baseball players. You can't just do that. That's not how this works. But the young guys are playing more objectively, and that's fair, and that's fine. So that's, like, I think the one thing. But, like, in-game decision-making, like, again, I saw people last night, like, how could he hand the ball to Brian Shaw? How does he not know what's going to happen? Just leave Chi-Chi in there. It's like, and I don't want to, again, I'm not, I, don't, I was going to say who cares. If you, if you care about that, you know what, fine. But just know that, that that is not how Bud Black is managing, and, and, and it really can't be. It doesn't make sense to, to do it that way.
Um, he also doesn't have anybody else out of that bullpen to hand the ball to in a situation like that. Nobody's pitching well. And so I think that moving forward, it really is about even the really small details of like, did Sam Hilliard put together two or three good at bats today? What about Dom Nunez? How does he look behind the plate? Because here's the thing. And, and again, I hate saying it this way because I do work around these guys. You never know what's going to happen to you. You don't want to say something. And then it turns out one of these guys is for real and, and, and kind of pops a little bit, but, Tim Melville coming into this season was not a part of the Rockies' future plans. Um, Rico Garcia was a, a way off thought. Let me here's the perfect symbol of I think the point that I'm trying to make. Peter Lambert. Peter Lambert is the perfect symbol of this whole thing. I wrote and said on this podcast before the season that if Peter Lambert had a really good year in AAA. We could maybe see him as a September call-up, but that if the Rockies were healthy, uh, that he may have to pitch out of the bullpen. That was kind of where I thought Peter Lambert was at maybe mid-season if he just blew away AAA. And I didn't see any of this juiced ball stuff coming either, but let's shelve that for a moment. Where we so so I thought he'd just now be joining the team. Instead, he is the pitcher in the Colorado Rockies starting rotation with by far the most number of innings pitched for the Colorado Rockies this season. That's mind blowing. And obviously most of that is injuries. And it's not that again, Lambert was going to be a part of this team's future at some point but that's just been out of necessity, totally rushed. Some of these other guys, you know, again, Jeff Hoffman was going to be a part of this team's future. I think that's the one thing where really some depth that they were hoping would be strong depth for them uh, wasn't. But one way or the other, whether it's a massive disappointment in how they've turned out or it's a little too early to tell, whatever your read on the pitchers like, Sensatella Hoffman, Lambert, Melville, Rico Garcia, whoever else is going to start. Those are not the important questions for the Rockies moving forward. They're the biggest component to winning or losing baseball games right now, and they don't really factor unless one of them happens to pop the Rockies are in a position where they can walk away if Jeff Hoffman has a really bad final month of the season they can just walk away and say look we thought it was going to work with you one day it didn't work out sorry Jeff well you know so long and thanks for all the fish he'll go sign for the Padres and pitch to a 350 ERA next season but they can kind of afford to do that because like when I talk about the Rockies building around their core, when Jeff Breidich on the day of the tread, the tread deadline, the tread deadline, when he talked about the core and building around that, but moving some of these other pieces, not to call out a specific player, but he wasn't talking about Jeff Hoffman as part of the core Melville or, you know, Lambert's trying to work his way into that core. He's a potential future part. But right now, Hoffman's got a long way to go before he's anywhere close to that conversation. Right? The guys who need to pick it up for the team to get back to where they need to go are guys like John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez, some Lambert in there for sure. But what they're doing right now is finding out about all of these other guys who can they part ways with but their future success is not intrinsically tied to the success of most of the guys taking the mound for them right now i i don't want to use a word that's popping into my mind it's such a crass way to describe people um the rockies can afford under 
given circumstances to part ways with anybody, literally anybody who they're putting on the mound right now. With Oberg out of the conversation and Freeland and Gray and Marquez all out of the conversation, the only guy who you're hesitant about trying to bury or, or parting ways with or, or saying, ah, he's really not a part of our future is Peter Lambert, who, as I mentioned, has, has been extraordinarily rushed and is still 22 years old. And in a best-case scenario, still when healthy, is starting in AAA next season. So to get overly panicked about, oh, my God, this shows how you know the Rockies just have no depth – uh, one thing that's weird to me about that conversation, too, is that there seems to be this discussion of the depth without an understanding of it. Because if you know who was supposed to be the Rockies' depth this year, th- that's an odd thing to claim that the injuries revealed that the Rockies had no depth, considering their best position player prospect, Brandon Rogers got injured, and their best or at worst second best starting pitcher prospect, Ryan Castellani, spent most of the season injured. And one of their most promising, in fact, their most promising high-end reliever prospect, Justin Lawrence, got injured. So when the depth is also injured, It doesn't work to use the argument that injuries exposed a lack of depth. Because they're not on the next spot down. They're on the spot after the spot after the next spot down. In a lot of these scenarios, there were no plans to have Rico Garcia make his major league debut in 2019. And he'd been pitching really well, but they, you know, he was on a much slower path to the big leagues until he was just... They need a live arms. The Castellani injury was a big part of that. We probably wouldn't be seeing Garcia if Castellani had been healthy all year. So it's important for people to understand that when they you know, start talking about some of these things. But, yeah, I, I, I think there's, just, there's a lot of interesting things, like I said, to watch for in the final month. And that's what's weird about the thing is it's not like I'm saying – Hey, don't even watch the games because they're not even going to win anyway. Like, no, there's a lot of interesting stuff to watch for. Maybe one of these guys will click. Could be Melville. Hoffman had an interesting outing last time out. Uh, He could be a value somewhere down the line. But the thing is, it it doesn't really matter because if they're terrible, well, okay, fine. You're probably not a part of next year's team. They can get someone else for that spot. Not, Not Again, not to be cold-blooded about it but that's what's so funny the Rockies get accused of not ever sort of being the cold-blooded cold-hearted decision makers but that's exactly the spot they're in right now they're just leaving dudes out there to wear it at times like that's I think part of what's going on here with Brian Shaw honestly like figure it out or we can reasonably here's the thing here's something people don't talk about um and and I'll go into commercial on this then when we come back I want to get some of the people here on, on Facebook Live, what you're looking forward to in, in the final month, some of the stuff that you want to see. But before it was clarified that Brian Shaw's contract uh, did not vest for that option year in 2021, we've kind of been over this before, but it, it was confusing there for a minute about what was going on with Shaw's contract. And there was about a five appearances remaining and I saw someone in the clubhouse and I thought to myself with the Rockies actually DFA Brian Shaw before he hit that marker so that his contract would vest and I was talking about that possibility with somebody and he reminded me that the players union would rightfully take issue. If you're two or three appearances away from your contract vesting and you've been being used at a certain rate throughout the season and then your team just cuts you so that they don't have to pay you, that's pretty obviously a, a craven violation of the spirit 
of the contract, and the players' union would have issue with that for sure. On the other hand, if it is, and now it turns out, to bring us back to the conversation we're having, that the the case wasn't 60 innings for this year. It's, I believe, 110 through this year and next year. Well, he's not going to make 110 this year. But if he were to be used at the same rate next year as this, he would make that easily, very easily. However, the Rockies can justify going into the final year of his contract at $9 million if he continues to pitch poorly down the stretch here to 70 or 75 innings and he just doesn't turn around, turn it around, then they can justifiably say, you know what, we're going to eat the rest of your contract, which means we're going to pay you $9 million to pitch for somebody else. But they can't be accused of any kind of weird mischief and wrongdoing if he pitches poorly down the stretch. He's giving up yonkers, blowing games, and Bud Black keeps throwing him out there going, see, look, that is it. Is it I don't think it's going to get better. I don't think there's another rock to be overturned here. And at that point, you can't just cut him in the final year of his deal. They did it with Mike Dunn. And you can do so before he hits the inning mark, well before he hits the inning mark. So there's nothing in any way fishy about it. And then you've saved yourself an extra year on his deal. And, you know, if all that costs you is losing games in a season where you're 7,000 games out of first place, it really doesn't matter that much. (laughs) And and so I get people don't like that sort of side of it. But again, if you're going to accuse the Rockies of not doing the the calculating thing often enough recognize when they are and and that's a very calculating thing it's it's tough on the player but if you really don't think you can trade him and and those are your two options if you think you can get something out of him then you got to put him out there so that he pitches better so that whatever team in the offseason goes yeah we'll give you some black contract and uh or prospect i'm sorry and, and we'll take most of his contract maybe you can get away with that. But then if he doesn't pitch well, you can just justify to yourself, you know for sure it's not going to happen here. It does not feel great to pay him money to go away. And it's true of any of these relievers, these veteran guys. There's two options. They either get it together a little bit, maybe you can move them, or they totally fall apart and you can justify just cutting them. And you can do neither of those things if you just bury them on the bench and Doing so just to make fans feel a little bit better, not a great idea. You still have to play those guys. At the same time, you do also still have to get all of the young relievers in there. And so I think we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit after we've had a couple of Breckenridge brews. Uh, the official beer of BSN Denver. Y'all know about the vanilla porter, the oatmeal stout, the avalanche amber ale, and of course, the beer of the summer, the strawberry sky. I've had some converts. Uh, I, I had a couple of beers with some of the people that uh, are the crew. Some of the hardest working people in the business, man, at the end of uh, homestands oftentimes. Uh, a few of them will get together, one of our local establishments, uh, have a drink or two, uh, tell stories, uh, usually about music. We all get together and talk music. There's almost a, a no baseball rule, but we were having a good time uh, drinking some Breckenridge brews for sure, but I, I was not able to sell them on the Strawberry Sky. It didn't quite uh, go over. Uh, there was uh, one of the members. I don't know if I want to out one of the one of the people. But there was a person that you all know who was there, uh, and he was not. He, he was unimpressed. He was he, he, by the name of it. It just. Uh, they were drinking the uh, the the I, I believe some of the, some of the ambers is, is what they were. But of course, of course, Avalanche is fantastic beer. I never want to put it down. You boring people, have a strawberry sky. Do it. It'll change your life. Or you'll go. No, this is not my thing. But one way or the other, you'll have tried it, and I'll appreciate it. So um, anyway, I do need to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back here on the other side of it see what some of you all are looking forward to in this final month of the baseball season. As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. 
Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to get into a couple of things to look forward to in the final month. Again, uh, my position is that it really doesn't make sense to keep close track of wins and losses and winning and losing maneuvers and, and all of those kinds of things. It's much more about who's winning a job for 2020 and who's losing a job for 2020. And people who are losing jobs for 2020 doesn't necessarily mean that the Rockies are screwed because they no longer have that person. They'll have a, an offseason to address these questions and they have Maybe I'll get to this at the end. I, th I think I will. I want to jump into some of these questions here. But they have more depth than they're getting credit for. And I, I think I've talked about this a little bit, but I'll jump back into it. What, what's going on? What do, you, what do you want me to break down yesterday's game? Brian Shaw gave up two bad home runs, and they lost. Uh, Len says a win tonight versus the Dodgers would be a glorious start to uh, this final stretch of baseball. Fair enough. Fair enough it would be. Seems unlikely. Uh, it just they're having a tough time picking up wins of ball games, And, and – I should say, it's still always better to win than to lose. And if they do win tonight against the Dodgers, you should enjoy that. You shouldn't go, well, Drew said, you know, it's really not even about this anymore. So, you know, no, 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 no. I mean, you, you, you take your wins where you can get them. And I suppose at the end of the season, it's better in some way to look up and say, hey, they won 70 games instead of they won 63, but... I don't know. For me, those kind of little moral victories outside of the team don't matter. Like, if the team feels better about it, then it's important. Like, if Nolan Arenado cares about the difference between a 63-win team and a 71-win team, then then it matters. But if, if they don't really, if it's just last place is last place and whatever and who cares, then... You know, that is also a reasonable way for, for the fans to feel at the very least. But Mary says, one other important thing for this month, uh, trying to get certain relief pitchers to play well enough to trade them in the offseason. And, and again, I sort of got into that uh, a little bit there at the end of that, that last bit. But that's absolutely a possibility as well. Um, and then uh, her, her other point here is uh, interested to see if any of the young outfielders, Daza, Hampson, Hilliard, Tapia, Dahl, can for real figure out center field defense at Coors Field. And I agree. I think that's one of the more interesting. Again, these are the kinds of stories that I think are the most interesting because in a season where the Rockies are have priority of winning ball games, number one, Sam Hilliard is not starting games in center field, folks. But right now, because of what Mary has illuminated here, it's very important for the Rockies to give Sam Hilliard an opportunity to win some playing time next year in center field for a number of reasons. We've talked about the wear and tear that center field causes at Coors and just how much running you have to do, how big a space there is to cover. I don't think that it was 100% coincidence, but just the timing. It was a little too quick. But David Dahl 
was looking great out there. There was never any doubt in my mind that David Dahl can play a good center field to a great center field just about anywhere, including, if he can stay healthy, Coors Field. But you saw it didn't take long for a play that was a little bit awkward with him going at full speed because he's a go-at-full-speed player, and he's never going to not be a go-at-full-speed player, hurt himself. Now it looks like he's hopefully going to be able to get back out there, and I don't want that to be the end of his opportunities to play center field. I don't think that it should be um, because I still think there's a lot of potential there. However, I do think if there's a scenario where you can keep David Dahl away from center field primarily for his own health and not lose something defensively, you have to try to do it. And I think that's exactly what Mary's getting at here. The Daza, Hampson, Hilliard, Tapia sweepstakes. Can any of you play center field at Coors as well as or better than David Dahl probably would have and honestly kind of was before he got hurt? And I think there are some guys who could possibly do that. There are pluses and minuses for each of them. Going backward through the list as Mary has them written here, Tapia. We all know the issues with Tapia defensively. They're mostly mental and, you know, the the quote-unquote little things in the game that Bud Black and, and most of Tapia's teammates and Jeff Breidich tend to think are big things, like hitting the cutoff man throwing to the right bag, not overthrowing stuff, um, taking a smart route, cutting the ball off rather than trying to make a great play. But we also know and have seen the things he's capable of when he does get the right read and the right jump and when he does have his head on straight that athletically speaking, Tapia at 6'2", some of the best speed on the team is a great possibility for playing center field. And if he's going to hit around 300 at the major league level, which is first year of really getting regular opportunities this is about where he's been before he got hurt. Then I think you can really live with that and, and be happy about it. And I think his arm will play up there, but Hilliard is the most intriguing candidate because I think Hilliard is the guy who could save you from having to make the other tough decisions, from having to make it a cost-benefit analysis where you're gaining something but you're giving something else up. If Sam Hilliard, all six foot five of him, I sent out that tweet the other day, I'm six two, probably and a half, you know, I'm, and, you know, 180, I'm skinny, I'm 180. But I, Sam Hilliard towers over me. He's a big kid. He's a strong kid. He's a great athlete. Can really move around the bases and in the outfield. He tends to make some smart decisions. Um, he doesn't have a ton of experience out there yet. That, that's his one major downfall. Is He's been a corner guy more than he's been a center fielder. He has a cannon of an arm. But if you can manage to make him your center fielder, then you don't have to deal with the defensive deficiencies of Tapia. You can keep Dahl and left. Uh, whether Tapia can go play right or become a fourth guy again or you know be there as insurance for Dahl as well, maybe you can move Charlie Blackman to first. Things get interesting, but Hilliard could end up preserving a lot of these other players and allowing them to step into a role where their deficiencies can be hidden a bit better and where he can be the best possible defensive candidate they've got out there. A guy with very high-end speed. He's not quite as fast as Hampson, Daza, and Tapia. Probably not quite as fast as Dahl when, when he's at his best. Uh, but he's right in there, honestly. 
and a really good runner. And so it's going to be fascinating to see if he really takes to the spot. That's going to help out your pitchers a lot. We've talked about the big defensive problems. Mark Knudsen came on this podcast and talked about it. Uh, I know there are people inside the organization who really do believe that a lot of the problems of their pitchers have been exacerbated by the fact that the defense and the outfield in particular has cost them a lot of extra bases and a lot of singles in front of them, that if these guys can move in a little bit, if they're capable of doing a few things a little bit better, playing a little bit better team-oriented defense, that they could get some you know, run-preventing plays out there, limit some of these innings, limit the pitch counts, a few of these things that are, you know, seem small in the moment, but over the course of a long season are really big. And so I have tended to agree at this point and think that they've got to make outfield defense or defense in general a priority. All of the Rockies teams who have gone to the postseason and, and either won 90 games or threatened to win 90 games have been exceptional defensive teams and the Rockies have struggled this year in the outfield and at first base and I and I really think they ought to do what they can to fix that and so I agree that Mary's that that's why something like Mary's question is so important because right now they're trying stuff see what Hampson can do see what Daza can do see what Hilliard can do if any of those guys can really emerge now of course the the issue with Daza and Hampson is the same are they ever going to hit with Hilliard, you can get you, you're fine if he's going to strike out 30% of the time and hit 250 if he's going to launch the ball the way he does when he contacts. You can live with it. But with the other guys, if you're going to hit that light, you know, neither one of them has much pop in the bat. So their defensive utility, I think, comes much better off the bench for both of them. I think Daza and Hampson are both valuable potential bench players with the speed and defense combos and all of those things that they have going on unless their bats really pick up and I mean really because without the pop you need to hit at least 280 if if you're going to be a speed and defense guy and provide any kind of value at the plate where Hilliard Hilliard makes it interesting doesn't he makes it very interesting and, he, and everybody knows I'm a Rymal Tapia guy and what I'm basically suggesting here is that the best case scenario could see Tapia become the fourth outfielder, or Tapia goes to left, Dahl goes to right, Blackman goes to first, if that works. But that's one of those things that we're all just completely guessing if Blackman could even do that. If he can play first, I'd love to see him do it. If not, you know, you have to have Charlie Blackman in your lineup. You need him to stay in right field where he's getting, I think, a, a, a bit more comfortable. So then your outfield is Dahl, Hilliard, Blackman. I'd like to see Tapia win that spot and have Hilliard be the primary guy off the bench should Tapia falter or anything, uh, any of those guys get injured because you always need that person. you know. And then you've got Daza waiting in the wings beyond that. With Hampson, I think primarily already on your bench for individual you know, game situations. That's going to be a very, very interesting mix because the other part of this that I think people are forgetting is that the Rockies do have a little bit. I was talking earlier about the the depth and that may need to be a future podcast conversation, but this part of it I'll, I'll do now, which is people are forgetting they do have kind of a, I don't know what the right word is. A, a, they've got a lot of good, at least, outfielders, and they've got a lot of good middle infielders as well. And some of them, almost all of them have value. I think Rymel Tapia raised his value this year. I think Sam Hilliard's value is pretty high right now. Um, Garrett Hampson didn't do a ton to raise his value this year. That's for sure. But I don't think it's completely in the toilet either. I, I think you've seen him uh, make some positive strides throughout the season. I still think people are going to love his speed and defense and athleticism and attitude and versatility, and he has started to hit for a little more contact lately. He's made some adjustments. Uh, so I don't think that there's no value in a guy like like Hampson. The injuries are tough, but there's still a ton of value in Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, Trevor Story's got absurd amounts of value. Adam Nunez's value might be as high as it's ever been right now. 
And so if you're going into the off season and you think all of these outfielders are going to pan out, you're really happy with where Tapia is and you're really happy with where Hilliard is and you're really happy with Daza and Hampson as depth pieces, well, then you can trade any one of them for a reliever maybe or check this right you're you're another gm and i'm trying to sell you take brian shaw off my hands you're going dude i'm not going to take brian shaw off your hands i'm going no, 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 listen 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 we're going to pay most of the contract i get it let us get out from two or three of the nine million send us back a prospect who's maybe been a bit of a project for you a C-level guy. Nothing. You're not going to get, right, you're just not getting anything better like a C-level prospect, right? And we're paying most of Brian Shaw's contract, right? And he's going, okay, well, what do I even get out of this? I'm basically just taking this guy off your hands, giving you a player. It may not mean anything to me, but I'm, I'm you know what, I'm going to pay this guy uh, not very much money, 2 or $3 million, maybe cut him, maybe use him. But what do I get out of it? Well, you can say, well... Maybe you get Garrett Hampson out of it. Maybe you get Raimel Tapia out of it. Yes, my heart just cried a little bit. Maybe you get Sam Hilliard out of it. Maybe you get, maybe uh, maybe it's a higher-end move, and it's the thing a lot of people have been crying for. Or not cry, I don't mean crying in a negative way. I said that, and it sounded like, I mean, crying out for, um, maybe it's a Charlie Blackman thing. Maybe you feel really great about all the young outfielders, and you do want to get out from the rest of that contract. There's an American League team that goes, we'll take Charlie Blackman because he's going to hit forever and be awesome, and we don't even have to worry about how his defense is going to play. We can have him DH a bunch of the time. If we need him out there sometimes, we feel fine with having him out there sometimes. Plus, we get Charlie Blackman. We'll take half, 60% of Charlie's contract. We'll not even give you anything great, but... You know, you do that because you feel good about it. So it, it's it's good to know this thing in particular, what the future of your outfield can and should look like, because I, I think it's an area where you can trade from a position of strength to help one of the other areas on your team. And that may be trading an outfielder for a reliever or a starting pitcher, or it may be using them, uh, getting out from their contract, if it's Charlie Blackman, or... It may be using them as as an enticing piece to get rid of somebody else's troublesome contract. Here, take away Davis's $17 million, and we'll give you a player who we really hate to part ways with, but we'll we'll give you a rhyme all toppy if you take 10 or 7 of Davis's $10 million uh, because Ryan Altapia himself might be worth a, he might be a $7 million player next year. You can kind of justify that. And then you do have Davis if he happens to give you anything. And then the Rockies can take the $10 million they just saved and go and try to find something for the starting rotation or the bullpen. So th this is the problem. Th th this is why I bring up like not just watching games and going like these guys suck. Therefore, th and this is all they have. So they're going to suck next year. Like a lot of this is about figuring out what you can get out of some of these guys. And some of it is about are, are they going to flame out for the future or not? But there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And the Rockies have more assets than I think people fully recognize. And the Arizona Fall League is also going to be really interesting to see what guys like Colton Welker and Roberto Ramos and Ryan Castellani can do. And if they all improve their draft prospects as well, or their draft, excuse me, they're not going to be drafted. Their prospect, their value... And the Rockies have a lot of people with value they can get out of in order to fix some things on their roster. So Michelle says, I love to see how Chi-Chi rebounded after getting absolutely hammered his last time out. Steps forward in his development. Um, Michelle, maybe, maybe. I don't want to say no. What, what I will say is this. I think uh, it, it speaks to the character of Chi-Chi Gonzalez, quite frankly, uh, not to put too fine of a point on it but you you know he pitched a hell of a ball game and when you show up and you've got your best stuff uh, a major league pitcher and Gigi Gonzalez is a major league pitcher um can beat a good lineup for a while and and that's just true that's how the game is designed and he came out laser focused and was absolutely determined 
not to let what happened the last time out happen. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or not. It's worth repeating. He ate it in front of us after that game. He came out. He made no excuses. I was kind of stunned by how honest he was with what wasn't working, with how bad he was, but with how calm and non-combative he was. An absolute class act. And I've been around several pitchers. Tyler Chatwood and Jorge De La Rosa, to name a few, not to call out anybody, and they're not alone. A lot of guys, plenty of relievers, who after a bad outing won't say anything or won't even show up. And Chichi Gonzalez gave up 43 runs and two outs, got, got two outs, and he, and he stood in front of us for two and a half, three and a half minutes and did his best to explain himself. And I'm not shocked that his next time out, uh, and I, I think good things come to people who own up to what's real and do what they can to do something about it. And and, and so, no, you know, ultimately, I, I still think we're seeing here, maybe Chi-Chi can be an element in the bullpen next season. I, I, I'm still interested in the Chi-Chi Gonzalez story, to be sure, and part of it is that he was, he was self-reflective. And I think that's important in the game of baseball. And I think that's going to go a long way for Chichi Gonzalez if he can continue to channel that. He's going to get the the absolute most out of what stuff he does have. Uh, and so you're right. Yeah, that was that was quite the sight to see. Len says the designated hitter is coming to the NL, which show off the depth of the club. Alonzo would get more at bats. Charlie's back can stay in the lineup while we look at Hilly and Hampson. Uh, I really liked his audition out there in the field. May even increase Desi's value. Probably great for Dahl. Dare to dream. Keep up the good work, Drew. Thanks, Len. And, yeah, I mean, that's something that the more I look at it, the more I realize that the National League is at a massive disadvantage when it comes to these guys who, and there are more and more of them, who can hit but have almost no defensive value or have negative defensive value. And Charlie Blackman is quickly becoming one of those players, and he might be able to figure out a more nuanced way to play right field, or it may just be that his body is breaking down and can't handle it 150 games a year, and you're right that he's just going to be a bat guy. And so, like I was saying earlier, the Rockies are in a disadvantage with any American League team because they're going, oh, we can absolutely take him. And the Rockies are like, we don't want to get rid of him. If there was the DH, there would be no conversation of the Rockies getting rid of Charlie Blackman. It would be silly. And that's where they're at a disadvantage. It shouldn't be, you know, well, we have to move this guy who really is an asset to our team, but we can't play him. Uh, but there's... 15 teams in baseball who can like that's that's brutal yeah. but uh yeah so i i think i'm gonna wrap it up there for now that's a good spot i if i start the next conversation this thing is gonna go pretty long and so i'm actually going to sign off now but maybe come back and do one more uh, either today or this evening with these late games uh, i've got a little bit weirder of a schedule, but I, I do want to talk a little bit uh, about the the dynamic of the, this idea that the Rockies uh, don't have depth. Uh, that I think is a is is to some degree I get where it's coming from, but I think it's just a misunderstanding largely uh, about what even the importance of that that word is, like what it means to have depth. Uh, and I was just kind of talking a little bit about it more, but I want to describe sort of the the dynamic that's going on there. And then, yes, believe it or not, uh, Daniel, I will talk a little bit more about the coaches and, and what role they've played. And, you know, I, I do think that there's going to be some heat on some of these guys in the offseason. I, th I think in general, and this will be my tease for the next podcast, there's going to be general heat on the Rockies to do something. I see it a lot. And that's part of why I wanted to have this conversation about you can't keep building your conversation for something has to be done, heads have to roll, because they're not beating the Dodgers behind Chichi Gonzalez and Tim Melville. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, heads don't need to roll, 
because of that, not even the ones who put those guys in those positions. Like, no, 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 no. Again, stuff earlier in the season, did they leave Wade Davis in his closer too long? Did they leave Ian Desmond in his center fielder too long? Did they approach the offseason properly? Those are totally legitimate criticisms. But, oh, my God, they've lost the last six games and really haven't been competitive, and it's butt ugly, and they're getting embarrassed by the Dodgers. Like, none of that is more evidence that Steve Foster's got to go or that Darren Holmes has got to go. Like, not at all, not even a little bit. And I want to get back into the article that I wrote uh, about Chad Bettis because it belongs in this conversation as well. When you're thinking about personnel moves, you always, always, always have to consider the Coors Field effect, the Coors Field curse, the margin of error, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening into this one. Hopefully you're following us on social media at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, a little one-sentence review or a five-star review. We're one or two away from getting back from a 4.9 back up to a five-star rating so you could be the person that puts us over the top uh, and we will love you forever if you do that we will love you forever anyway but especially if you put us over the top on that make sure you're subscribed to bsndenver.com head over there uh, to bsn denver merch get one of those cool shirts uh, they're super neato thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome i promise you i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman and until next time i will see you at the ballpark Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more